Welcome, friends. This is the Art of Aliveness podcast, and I'm your host, Chrissy Marie. It's a space where we explore how to nurture life force energy through the path of creativity, curiosity, compassion, courage, and connection. Let's dance. Welcome, friends. I am super excited to introduce Kelly Halter to the Art of Aliveness podcast. And Kelly is a former therapist. She specializes in trauma uh, and she's turned resilience sage. I love that. So, what she's learned from a decade of practice in mental health is that we're all truly resilient. And when trusted to engage with our own power, and foster our own natural resilience, we're able to overcome challenges and trauma in a peacefully productive way. Kelly teaches three aspects that foster resilient skills through science, experience, and intuition. Acceptance, boundaries, and connection. She has a way of supporting people to tune in with themselves and increase understanding of their own power through an engaging and intuitive teaching style And she believes that you are the expert of you, no matter what, and you know what is best in your life. That's so beautiful. Welcome, Kelly. Super excited to have you on. Hi, so very happy to be here today. Yay. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what resilience means to you. Maybe we can define that term. And then we will, uh, maybe we can kind of segue into transitions, which is what was hot on your heart when we connected. So yeah, talk to me about resilience. What is resilience? So if you Google resilience, you'll get about a hundred different answers to what is resilience. But the general theme is the ability to overcome, the ability to move through our process, what we do to move from that state of overwhelm when something happens or we are feeling overwhelmed in our life to the state of thriving in our life or the state of movement through whatever created the overwhelm in the first place. We don't necessarily always get to thrive, but that's the goal. (laughs) So resilience is really just that process. What do we do to move ourselves from overwhelm to back to stasis? What do we do? What's our process? And every person is naturally resilient. Every single one of us has the ability and the skills on some level to be resilient. Mm. And I have a curiosity here to what drew you to resilience as like the thing that you focus on? What was it about that word? What was it about your own process that brought you into that, into that space? Mm. That's an excellent question. So as a therapist, I specialized in trauma work and I worked specifically with families who were in crisis. So for nearly a decade, I went into over a hundred, I stopped counting it, I think 113 families, homes, who were currently in crisis and my job was to support them to get back to their baseline. Um, And 
these families were had a variety of different challenges, but what was consistent in every single individual and family that I engaged with was this ability to just deal, to live, to thrive, to be resilient. <laughs> and every single person had their own style and their own approach to some degree, but everyone did it. Everyone did it. Everyone made it through their day. And no matter how much of a of chaos their day looked like from the outside, they still made it. They did it. And they were ready to do the next day. As much as they didn't necessarily feel ready, they were there. So mm -hmm. there's an element of resilience that we're all born with. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's, so it's like etched into our design. It's etched into like our nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as I, you know, dove into my career as a therapist and I really understood or gained more understanding, I don't think I understand it completely because none of us do. Neuroscience is what I'm referring to. <clears throat> but as I started to understand how our experience actually writes on our DNA, so our phenotypical DNA, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Our phenotypical DNA is our expressive DNA. And that expressive DNA is kind of how we manifest, how our DNA manifests in our life. And our experience actually changes our phenotypical DNA. So as we are experiencing life, our DNA adapts and, and changes. When trauma happens in our lives, it increases our anxiety response. Now this change occurs to our phenotypical DNA and then passes on for three generations. So while each of us are resilient, if our parents or our grandparents had a major trauma that occurred in their life, we ourselves, even if nothing traumatic in our lives occurred, will have a more heightened response to stress. So this is where we have a lot of work that comes around like generational trauma and ancestral trauma and rewriting kind of those stories. And it, it literally is at a cellular level. That means not that we are, that we have to succumb to what our fate is, but that means we can be intentional about fostering our innate resilience and addressing what has occurred to us because of experiences that both we have experienced and our family or our ancestors. Mm, okay. So to clarify, some people are born with more intense responses to stress because of like the genetic, um, they've inherited it genetically, essentially. Absolutely. Um, and even though they're born with that more intense response or reaction to stress, they still also have that almost like the counter program of the ability to adapt in a way. Absolutely. You pinpoint perfect. Yes, cool. absolutely. So while I'm going into these families where, you know, someone else may come in and go, wow, this is really a really, really chaotic environment. I'm looking at positive connections and family between family members. I'm looking at really healthy boundaries that are in place against outside entities that are not positive and productive for that family member. I'm looking at acceptance of like, okay, well, this is reality. This is what's happening in my life right now. I don't like it, but it is what it is. And these are all aspects of resilience. And when we can be more conscious about them rather than 
kind of moving through them passively, then we can make them a lot more potent and amplify how, how we feel in our life, amplify the resilience that we actually feel. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I'm hearing there is that resilience isn't codependent with circumstance. It's, it's mm. something separate that can be measured outside of circumstance. And then the other thing right. you said that's really beautiful is when you focus and you're, you're seeking it out, like when you're looking for evidence of resilience, you amplify mm -hmm. Right. presence of resilience. Right. So there's actually, a, there was some interesting information that came out of the Holocaust and the people, Jewish people who were intentional about, about supporting themselves, about problem solving, they categorically live, were more likely to live through, I mean, horrific circumstances. And this specifically was found in looking for bits of string so they could keep their shoes on. Because while they might get a sh get shoes, they don't they wouldn't get shoelaces, mm. <laughs> and it gets really cold obviously in the winter time in a lot of the places where the camps were. So if you don't have shoes, you're very likely to get frostbite on your feet, and you're not likely to survive that in those conditions. So people who were resilient and really like focused intentionally on what they could solve, what they could, what they could do to be proactive we're more likely to be resilient. And that goes through accepting what is occurring. Like this is a horrific experience that's occurring right now. Boundaries are what can I do? What can I do to change my environment? What can I do to support myself? What is true and right for me? Well, as much clothes as I can get on my body is true and right for me. So I'm going to be proactive about that. And then connecting with other prisoners who were doing the same thing. Right. So it created a network and a connection there is, you know, here's a little bit of string. I have enough to tie my shoe, that kind of thing. So like we see resilience and how it's fostered in so many different environments. Mm. Okay. Great. So you're also noting like resilience has to do with the ability to, or the orientation of being solution focused. And like what comes up for me is creativity, which we were mm -hmm. just chatting about the ability to be creative and see other perspectives or see other possibilities. Um, something else too, I'd love to hear your thought on it is when I was in grad school, I was doing some research on, uh, wellness and the, the correlation between wellness and religion. And one of the studies that, that I found was that people who are religious generally, uh, reported higher well-being. and it wasn't so much like what religion they subscribed to, but it right. was the fact that they subscribed to, like they had an orientation that there's something bigger than me out there and mm -hmm. they trusted in it like there was something yes. outside of faith. themselves yeah faith faith or love mm -hmm. victor frankel in his book man search for meaning talked about how he would have mm -hmm. conversations with his wife who he had no idea was alive she wasn't but he would talk to her spirit and that mm -hmm. kept him alive like that that connection that connection to something outside of himself that mm -hmm. that that thing that like we can't measure or we can't touch Yes. But there was something there and it fueled his yep. resolve to live. Absolutely. I 100% um, agree with that. Experientially, um, you know, my, my experience with clients over the years and obviously research <laughs> agrees with that as well. But being, having a spiritual component to our lives, I think what I'm understanding, the theme that is the most beneficial is is faith and trust. And like you said, in something outside of ourselves, 
And that absolutely plays into resilience and the aspects that I kind of organize resilience, it would fall under connection, Mm -hmm. that connection with, with self, that connection with our higher power, that connection with God, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it, or however you engage with that entity, that intangible part of our life, that part is incredibly important to foster. That part of us supports every other aspect of of our lives and every other relationship that we are connected with. Because when we can connect and trust in that aspect of our life that we can't control, because we can't control a lot of our lives, but when we can release control with trust, it's much easier to accept what's happening because then we can also trust that really our higher good is being, is being worked toward. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, there's so many layers to that. I'd love for us to kind of contextualize it into <laughs> like what's going on today. As you Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So people are going through transition. People are going through change. It's ruffling feathers. Mm-hmm. It's ruffling expectations. Mm-hmm. It's traumatic for many, many people creating like yes. security and safety issues. So yeah, just yeah. feel free to start riffing on that. Like what's your understanding of how to kind of address this and how resilience, like what resilience has to do with all of this. So right now in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic slash quarantine slash social distancing, um, all of these things have a huge impact on our global society. I mean, we, as a, as, um, as a people really are being, are being directly impacted and we're all going through transition of in some stage of this or another our lives have all been interrupted right and now we're figuring out people talk a lot about the new normal or getting back to normal getting back to life and whatever perspective you have about it we are in the middle of a transition Mm. to something from something to something so no longer and not yet. We are in that space of transition. We're not winter. We're not summer. We're in springtime. Mm. And what births in spring? Mm. Beautiful things, beautiful things birth in spring. And how appropriate that we are actually in the season of spring. Right. (laughs) I mean, when I think about what we could create in this transition space, I get really excited. And then I talk to people who are very rooted in the life that they had before social distancing. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety wrapped up in what could lay ahead. So I think one of the biggest things to remember when we are embracing this transition is to be, is to allow yourself to stop and be because whatever it is that you're trying to figure out how I will what will happen the unknown that is under the surface that we're fearful about that we're questioning that we're trying to figure out the answer to how to resolve that is in the quiet Mm -hmm. is in the connection with ourselves and our higher power that's where we find the next best step So if you're feeling the overwhelm of this transition right now, 
that would be my best advice is to just get quiet with yourself and you don't have to go to the top of a mountain. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to fit any kind of box that you've thought about or any kind of picture that you've thought about before. Do something that's pleasurable for you by yourself. That might be taking a shower. That might be going for a walk. That might be sitting outside. That might be going golfing. That might be going fishing. <laughs> it, do, it honestly does not matter what it is. Nature amplifies it, but no matter what, do something enjoyable by yourself. And that will give you the space to think about and just be with yourself and figure out what the next best thing for yourself is. So I like to ask myself two questions when I'm in that space of overwhelm. The first one is, what do you need right now to feel well? And sometimes that's just go pee, Kelly, like stop and go pee. Cause I have three toddlers and we're going, 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 and life is fun and great and wonderful. And I forget to pee. So sometimes it's stop and pee. Um, cause I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. And I'm like, why am I overwhelmed? Life is great. Oh, you just need to go to the bathroom. Like take a break. So that's the first question. Oftentimes I get to stop there because I find out what it is that I need, but if not, then the next question is what I've already referred to. What is the next best thing? So sometimes I have to feel well first. So I have to answer the first question and maybe do something, even if it's just taking a few deep breaths or like I said, going pee or stepping outside and putting my face in the sunshine or going and giving my pony a smooch or something like that to just ground myself back to the earth and to myself. And then what's the next best thing? And sometimes it's looking around our environment and seeing something that we really just need to handle in our environment. Sometimes that's figuring out something that's a little bit more abstract that we might have to call someone for support or invite someone in to help us resolve a current challenge or an issue or, or if we're an external processor, we might need to include someone else in the conversation so that we can move through it. But either way, we won't move through until we've acknowledged what's going on, until we're aware, truly aware of what those thoughts and feelings are that are increasing our tension, what we are concerned about. Because oftentimes I find that people have this underlying concern, but they don't allow themselves to acknowledge it. And so it sits under the surface and festers and creates tension and takes energy to maintain it under the surface. So it wastes like energy that we could be investing in life and um, it's unproductive <laughs> and I'm really all about being as productive as possible in a peaceful way but <clears throat> we get one shot at this life in this body whatever your thoughts and beliefs are about spirit we can all agree that that this this one body has so many days granted to it and I am of the mind, and I think Chrissy Marie, you are of the mind too, that we are here to live and have fun and enjoy this life that we're here for. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, we have to be productive because there's stuff that has to be done. So the more productivity and flow we can bring to it, the more fun we can have amongst all of the things that are required to live. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And so I just shared this on my social media and it really wraps up um, nicely with what you're saying about acceptance, the first like pillar of resilience. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my clients was going through 
some clearing around her heart center. And one of the questions that I like to ask around the heart is, you know, if you fully accepted yourself right now and, and your situation, what would change? And she said, I'd be able to make more decisions. And I thought that was an interesting mm. correlation. So I like kind of prodded, like, what's, what's yeah. the connection? Because I wasn't fully seeing it. And she was like, well, when I'm not accepting myself for this situation, I'm focusing on the problem. And when I am accepting, I open up space and energy to then focus on the solution. Because again, mm -hmm. as you say, we are inherently resilient and creative beings. Mm -hmm. Life force energy is what we're here to like magnify in the world. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the force that creates you know, new life in nature, the trees in the spring, the flowers mm -hmm. in the spring, like we're seeing it all around us now. If you're living in New England or in <laughs> one of the countries with the seasons and it, but it also flows through us. It flows through everything. And so she was making this really beautiful connection about how, when mm -hmm. you accept yourself and the situation, it's not about giving up. It's not about complacency. It's not about um, condoning whatever is going on, but it's just about being, as you said, being with what is and in the beingness, in the um, attention to what is present in our room, in our bodies, in our existence, we open ourselves up to intuition and creativity, which then mm -hmm. often sparks a new perspective, a new idea. And often mm -hmm. it is solution focused. Often it is, here's the mm -hmm. next thing to do to nurture your nervous yep. system or to Absolutely. spread more expansion. And so, yeah, I, I love that. I'm very much of the same mm -hmm. mind. And um, yeah, we've done, I've done a lot of podcasts on how to, to nurture the nervous system. And, and I think it's mm -hmm. one thing to say, you know, except uh, it's another mm -hmm. thing to like get yourself to a place where you can do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know some of us who have more experience or evidence that it works, it's easier for us to kind of yeah. play with that energy. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> I was introduced to the concept of giving verbal permission mm. for what's happening around us and within us. And, you know, it's like a, it's a tool to use to support acceptance. And around that verbal permission. So like, let's give an example of where verbal permission has been helpful for me. Mm. I had twins a year and five days after I had my oldest. <clears throat> so there were more than one occasion when all three are demanding something of me at the same time and I'm by myself. Mm. Okay. So Nobody like it, that is not a fun scenario for anyone. Three crying babies at the same time, and you have two hands, one person, like two feet. That that there is only so much of me to go around, and I have three crying children. What the mother? Whatever. Like I'm like, Ugh. okay. So verbal permission in that moment. Here are my favorite phrases. Okay. And. Okay. Like okay, there's three crying. Okay. And what's the next step? So what? Now what? So what? There's three crying babies. So what? Now what do I do about it? So what? They're there. They're all three crying. They're here. We're here. Well, this is, this is what I'm having a really superbly positive day. Well, isn't this an adventure? <laughs> that one just almost requires a smile. Yeah. It's like the Mary Poppins of the phrases. <laughs> well, isn't this an adventure? Feels very My cute. favorite. 
It does. My favorite really is okay. And when I was introduced to the concept of, of verbal permission, they introduced it as saying, yes, and, and I was like, I, I cannot say yes to three poopy diapers. I'm sorry. There is not a yes to be had here, but I can say, okay, like, okay, ugh, okay. Even with an eye roll is still acceptance, right? It is. <laughs> so playing with verbal permission around acceptance is a fun <laughs> and really a humorous way to bring yourself out of that, like, ah, that overwhelm, that stuck feeling, which is really what acceptance is about, getting yourself out of being stuck. Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. That's pretty much the reason why I, I started the podcast, because <laughs> I realized <laughs> how important talking to myself is and like just speaking out loud around resistance. Um, and that was actually a big turning point for me too. I mm. gave myself permission to talk about all the reasons why I hated change and I was afraid mm. of it. And I just kind of riffed on it. Oh, I'm afraid of change because I'm afraid of the sensation of overwhelm or I'm afraid of the mm -hmm. sensation of confusion. I'm, I'm addicted to knowing. I don't want to not know. <laughs> and then, And then it was almost like because I did that, a lightning bolt just like, struck through the crown of my head and I had mm -hmm. this inclination to ask myself uh, and remind myself what are all the reasons that you love change mm -hmm. and I started getting really curious and I was like oh mm -hmm. I fucking love change like yeah I, <laughs> I would move my furniture in my bedroom around constantly mm -hmm. constantly right. moving knickknacks constantly changing my environment I've never been at a job more than two years. I've never done the same thing for longer than mm -hmm. a certain amount of time. And I was like, oh my God, it was this big I revelation. Love I love change. I yep. am change. Like change yep. runs my life essentially. Yep. <laughs> this particular change is one I didn't decide to engage yeah. in, but I'm here. So yep. what next? That question, yep. what next? Um, Absolutely. So thank you for that example. I love it. I love, love it. That's that's funny. You reminded me of, um, I'm realizing too, in this thought process about transition and how I've really been entertaining this in my mind a lot lately <clears throat> in conversations that I also really love transition and change. Mm -hmm. My, my ring, my, um, you on the podcast can't see it, but I have a sapphire ring and the sapphire is actually a color change sapphire from Sri Lanka. So in the sunshine is bright and it's bright blue, like a, what you think of a sapphire, but in candlelight, it's purple. It's like a deep violet purple. And also my horse is a red roan. They turn white and then they're also red. <laughs> so they, she does a full color change. Like she's mm -hmm. totally different color in the winter versus the summer. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I'm polyamorous. I have a husband and a wife. So I'm like, there's change, there's transition, obviously in, in balancing both of those and flow in those of both of those relationships. Mm -hmm. I love change. I love transition. And that's life. Like it's so fun and beautiful. But when we can take the stress out of that aspect of it, when we can, you hit the nail on the head, it's when the change is brought to our life rather than us bringing the change. Mm. That's when we don't necessarily love it but we're always doing it. We're always going through it constantly. So when we own that responsibility or <laughs> like radically accept 
and own radical responsibility for our lives and the choices and what's happening, then the change feels less overwhelming, right? Because then we're like, oh, well, I do actually have control here, which is what happened when you were talking about change. Mm. Oh, okay. I'm actually really good at change. I'm actually really good at transition. Mm. I just didn't like this one because somebody handed it to me instead of me choosing it. Mm. And that's what I love to do around resilience and just people's lives in general. But how I use resilience is to support people in identifying the beauty and the strength that they're already bringing to their lives. Mm -hmm. You're already doing it. But oftentimes we miss our strengths. We're really good at like, well, these are my, this is my weakness. This is a weakness, <laughs> weakness, you know, or a challenge or an issue or like all of these things. Mm. But what are the strengths that you bring to the table that help you move from that place of overwhelm to that back to that place of, of stasis in your life? Right. They're there. You have them. What are they? Well, I don't know. And that's what I've done many, many, many times, both in my clinical practice as a therapist and then as a resilient sage since then. Just how do you do that? What's your process? And kind of teasing that out with people. And every single time, every time people are like, wow, I really am resilient. Oh, I really do have these skills every time. Totally. And again, kind of going full circle back to what you said in the beginning, most people are, many people, if not all of us are etched with resilience, but it's the focusing on that that creates more of that energy and more of that activation in the DNA. And mm -hmm. like specifically, I want to talk about the families that I've worked with and I'm sure you've worked with and we were in agency work because both of us were doing clinical stuff in homes, right? You said you worked right. in homes. <clears throat> yeah, I so did. I also worked in homes. So like, and often it was people who were struggling financially. They were on state yep. assistance. They yep. didn't have the same physical and emotional resources that I did. True. And yet, like, mm -hmm. and yet, and yet mm -hmm. some of like the deepest <clears throat> respect for so many of these moms and dads that I worked with because they mm -hmm. navigated chaos. <laughs> like Absolutely. it was their, you know, full-time job and they did it in such a way mm -hmm. and they didn't even realize that they were doing it. And this mm -hmm. is where we kind of come in is we come in and mm -hmm. we say, your situation is actually quite challenging. Yes. Um, and look at all the ways in which you are rising above it and moving through it with strength and grace yes. and life force, you know? Absolutely. And that in and of itself sometimes is like the best therapy just to Absolutely. have somebody mirror back like, yeah, you're struggling financially, you're yep. struggling emotionally, yep. but look at like these hundreds of other ways in which you are thriving. Right. Um, yeah. Because I'm and, thinking about those people right now, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, <laughs> they're coming to your mind. The pic, the actual faces are there. Yeah. Oh, totally. I know. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's an amazing gift. The working with people, and them gifting me with information and connection and emotion about their life and their story, like really their story, sharing, sharing their life story with me has been one of the greatest gifts of my life and definitely my greatest gift in my work for sure. And, and 
I've learned from every single person I've, I've worked with something, every single one. And we are all incredibly resilient. Every single one of us just has this innate ability to do it, to handle it. But what, what lie I think we're told is that it has to be hard. And I don't think it has to be. I don't think life actually has to be that hard. Um, I'm not saying that there won't be difficult things that happen in our life, but emotionally, it doesn't have to create so much anxiety, so much overwhelm. We can foster the tools and the skills and the engagement in our lives so that when things do happen, because they will, but when they do happen, we can move through those things without as much stress and tension and overwhelm, which is why resilience. That's why resilience, because it's a skill set that you can always come back to and continue to foster. Mm -hmm. So the building on what's already present in your life, you're building what's are on what's already innate and your natural inclination to support and love yourself. So you're not taking anyone's program and putting, trying to, trying to adapt it to yourself. This is already you. And we're just fostering exactly what you, what you already do. And then once you understand that you have the ability to foster this within yourself, the next time life throws you a curveball, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, I know how to do this for sure. And you move through it so much faster and so much more peacefully because you're doing it more consciously. You're not just reactively engaging in those things. So what's an example? Um, part of acceptance is getting ourselves to a place of emotional calm so that we can be open to solutions coming to us like you were talking about before. And one of the ladies that I, that I worked with kind of recently, she really loves to pet things, like pet her, her kid's head, you know, her kids would lay with their head in her lap and she, and she'd like pet their hair or she, you know, her dog, she'd pet them. Um, and so we took, we amped this up by, she put a blanket in her car that she, cause she drove a lot in the place that she lives. She drove quite a bit and sometimes driving was stressful. So she put a really soft blanket that she could pet. She would wear scarves on particular, on days where she was a little bit more stressed. She was more intentional about having something soft and nurturing and squishy for her. And, you know, there are times when we don't feel worthy of giving ourselves these gifts but we are right. So some of it is that, that I'm worthy of having a cozy blanket in my car and wearing this cozy soft sweater or the scarf or whatever, giving ourselves that gift of nurturing ourselves mm. and doing so intentionally. I love how like, it's a small thing too, seemingly small. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. It's was such a tiny thing really. Um, or like water is very, cleansing for me and helps to rejuvenate me. And so <clears throat> I shower at the end of the day and I've done this as long as I can remember in my life. And it's like cleaning the day off. But when I'm intentional about this, when I'm conscious about this, and maybe I put it like an essential oil shower bomb in there. So I'm really like totally enjoying the, the sensation and the smell of that space. Maybe I put on some music that really feeds my soul and I'm getting into dancing in the water, you know, and I'm really experiencing that shower and it's fueling me and it's fostering just energy. Mm. Or I could just take a shower and wash my body and be done. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, the, it's the same thing, but I'm giving myself permission to be nurturing and loving to myself. Right. 
Yeah. I'd love to talk to you about what both of us are doing personally in relationship to fostering resilience and in connection to something higher. Cause that's definitely mm. something that I at least found myself struggling with over the last couple of weeks where I'm watching people online. I'm watching tensions kind of grow and people mm. starting to kind of diverge in relationship to how to respond to what's going yeah. on. Um, and what I'm noticing is not so much like the trigger isn't so much in the divergence. It's in the um, anger and like animosity towards differing opinions and a lot of assumptions that I've seen kind of flying around about like what the other people might be feeling or, or thinking. judgment, judgment, totally. Um, and a lack of curiosity. And so what, uh, you know, I took a pause and I really kind of felt into like, why am I here? Like, how am I being called to respond to this? Like, how is this relevant to what I stand for? And I bumped up against one of my shadows of like the need to know, you know, the desire to be seen as somebody who's competent and a great resource for figuring shit out. And then I realized Mm -hmm. that that's not why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to promote curiosity and the essence of curiosity Mm -hmm. is the willingness to not know. And it was Mm -hmm. such a like wake up, you know, cloud dissolving moment for me because then I realized that um, a lot of my fear or resistance was, was because I was still attached to that identity. You know, I was attached to being Mm -hmm. seen in a certain way around it. And so Mm -hmm. for me, what's created a sense of resilience and life force is the anchoring back into what I ultimately stand for, which is curiosity and conscious communication, uh, curious Mm -hmm. communication, curious dialogue, Mm -hmm. civil and compassionate dialogue, um, Mm -hmm. and the willingness to say, like, I don't know all the details of that particular thing. I don't know all the details of that particular thing but I am willing to have a conversation about it as long as there's curiosity and and questions involved. Mm -hmm. So the second I was able to connect back to that deeper resonance, I feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, I'm, I'm curating what I'm, what I'm consuming now and I'm following leaders that ask powerful questions that uh, don't take powerful stances, but instead have powerful, curious conversations Mm-hmm. Um, that just deepen people's intellectual capacity when, when they're talking about certain things. So I'm curious to yeah. see where you're at with all of that. Pretty much in line with, with where you are, really paying attention to the way people are engaging in your right. It's, people are polarizing, um, and, and that r- is rooted in judgment. Um, right. and, and curiosity is the antithesis of judgment, <laughs> So the more we can foster curiosity in our lives in any way, in any, in any area, you know, when we find ourselves in judgment, it's not about stopping ourselves from these things that are unproductive or unhelpful. It's about catching ourselves, but not in a punitive way, but catching ourselves in a curious way. Oh, I'm judging. And judgment is really just kind of an opinion. Like judgment is, is a far reaching thing. You know, I, I've been playing with this concept of judgment actually for the last, well, forever, but really digging into it and understanding that sometimes just what I think is an observation is actually a judgment. It doesn't matter. Like my even observation of something isn't necessary. (laughs) 
Um, and so when we ask questions that are curious, that open dialogue, then we foster thought and we, we foster more curiosity and we foster problem solving and we foster solution finding. Um, I really love the philosopher Socrates and he pretty much just asked questions. <laughs> like he's like, Socrates, please. Yeah. The Socratic method, right? Te please teach me. And he's like, well, what is it that you think you need to learn? <laughs> right. So, so that, that always reminds me, go back to yourself. If you're fine and, and reminds for my, for myself, go back to myself. If I'm finding myself in judgment, take a step back, look in the mirror. What are you judging and why? Because if I'm judging someone else, very likely it's because I'm in judgment of myself. What am I judging? What am I feeling uncomfortable about? What am I feeling stuck in? Where is that stickiness coming from in my life? And then once I've accepted and released that piece, all of a sudden, I don't care what anybody else is doing. Do your thing, boo. I don't care. <laughs> you know, and I will set boundaries around people who I don't think are making safe choices. Okay, that's cool. You do you. But that means that I'm not going to whatever. Mm. And that's a boundary. What's okay for me and not okay for me is a boundary. It's not about controlling anybody else. And I think that's part of what I'm seeing is happening right now is people are thinking, well, this boundary that I'm setting, well, no, sweetheart, that is not actually a boundary. You're actually trying to control someone else, which is not a boundary. That's control. Yes. So let's take a back, step back from control because can, all control does is feed anxiety or attempts at control. All it does is feed anxiety because I promise you as a mom to three toddlers, you cannot control another single human being in the entire world. <laughs> you cannot. It is not possible. So let it go. Let it go. Because if you keep trying to control everyone in your life, you are going to end up in the grave sooner than later. Mm. It literally will kill you. Mm. For sure. <laughs> so the short answer is get your booty out of judgment and into curiosity. Weird. I wonder why that person is so anxious about that other person not wearing their mask. Mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. huh weird I wonder why that state isn't opening but this other state is mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. I mean the more we spend time wandering the more likely we are to find a solution to what actually is the, the issue at hand for our personal lives yeah also I think a big piece of this is just because you are conscious of your role to play in things does not mean other people are you know True. And so some yep. people don't have the aware, most, many people, I won't say mm -hmm. most, but lots of people, I can say that lots of people don't have the awareness of mm -hmm. one, how their brain works, two, why they think mm -hmm. the way they think. You know, I've been watching a couple of things lately um, on the Trevor Noah show and there's just, and a lot of it is used kind of as satire around like, you know, people saying ridiculous things, but when I look at that, I think like that's somebody who's not aware of yeah. possibility. That somebody right. is so deeply in control mm -hmm. that they don't yeah. even know that they're in control, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to waste my energy getting all upset about that um, literally does nothing for me or the or collective, them. nothing at all. 
you know, nope. so unproductive, all the way totally unproductive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that if you've experienced that it's wrong. I'm just saying that no. if your intention is service and collective growth, then mm -hmm. get curious about why that's your reaction and work yep. on alchemy and work on coming back to curiosity about why that person is in that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of where I want to <laughs> land that <Yeah>. one. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, people, we're so wonderful and lovely. And also, the greatest teacher is modeling. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to show you. You want to know how to live a full and amazing awake life? Watch me. Yes. Look at my life. Mm. I am freaking happy. My life is amazing. Like my day today, it was great from start to now and will be through finish. Mm. It was awesome. This is a great part of my day, but so are all the other parts. And it's not like I did anything like crazy monumental, but my life is great. It feels great. And your life can feel great too, right now, before you've reached all your goals, before you've achieved your greatest achievement. Because newsflash, when you achieve that great achievement, you're gonna feel the same way. You're still gonna be you. You bring yourself with you wherever you go. And if you are feeling like poop right now, you're gonna feel like poop after you get that big accomplishment. I promise you, I promise you. Yeah been there, rode that train, got off and was like, Hey, why am I not in paradise? Oh, because I brought myself. That's right. Same attitude, same state. And that's interesting because I, I so I want to use a term that's psychological, but I'll define it like the hedonic treadmill where research has shown that generally, no matter what happens in your life, you always kind of revert back to a baseline of well-being. And that baseline, it's was unclear at the time that I was learning about it, like how much nurture was involved, how much your biology and your ancestry was involved, like you were talking about. But again, it kind of goes back to what you were saying that at a biological level and neurological level, we generally will bounce back from whatever it is that we're going through. But that also means that no matter how fantastic our life get, gets, or whatever circumstances are occurring, we will revert back to homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Unless- We change we do, homeostasis. Exactly, we change homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And that's the intentional piece. Like, right. we are- And the internal work. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. We can't actually raise that baseline, but it is um, mm -hmm. takes maintenance and intention yes. and consciousness yep. in order to do that. And that, I think that's what we're talking about yep. with- focusing on how we've been resilient, focusing on the mm -hmm. strengths in our life and in our day to day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've talked, I've talked about on the podcast and I'm sure you help your private clients with. Can you share a little bit about ritual? Cause you mentioned that in our mm -hmm. communication prior to this, um, mm -hmm. the relationship between ritual and resilience. Yes. And I think this will answer the question that I neglected to answer earlier, which was spiritual practice through this um, transition time. Yeah. So engaging, engaging with spirit is a daily thing for me. And there, I do it in a few different ways. I'm, I'm blessed and also have expressed the need for and am respected by my partners in having time and space to myself every single morning. 5.30 to 7 o'clock is mom's time. It is Kelly time. I get to be just Kelly. Like, 
And it's freaking magic in my day. And part of what I do in that day, every day, is some practice of meditation, mirror chat. I'm tuning into myself in some way. Sometimes it's journaling. It's not the same every single day. Um, but that's what works for me. Some people are more ritual, they're more um, routined in their ritual, and that really is important to them. Just figure out what works for you. I like a lot of variety in my life, obviously. <laughs> so that is important to me to have choice. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, do I want to meditate? Do I want to, you know, <clears throat> whatever, but tuning into myself. And I, again, I do that in multiple ways. Also doing something that fosters um, physical resilience. So sometimes that's stretching. Sometimes that's yoga, do, going through some yoga stance. Sometimes like Right now I'm doing um, Wim Hof breathing. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I do breath work. Yeah, so yeah, so I love, um, I lo I've done breath work for two decades or so, just different kinds, exploring all different kinds. And recently um, I've really been enjoying Wim Hof because it actually increases our tolerance to distress versus just relaxing us in the moment and giving us a tool to use in other moments. It, it, means that when stressors are presented, <clears throat> my, my tension level will go up slower to the same, to the same stressor um, because of this practice. And I'm actually finding this in my life. It's amazing. It's really incredible. So anyway, I've been doing that in the mornings. <clears throat> the other thing, excuse me, I have a little tickle in my throat. Um, pollen has just started dropping in my neighborhood so yeah allergies um another another thing that's really important for me is connecting with my kids my kids are like basically spirit in human form and we all have spirit obviously but they're still so little that they're just tapped the freak in and my <clears throat> my oldest will be three in august and she will literally just look at me sometimes and say something. And I'm like, you're right, babe. You're so, she's like the other day, she looked at me, she goes, mom, we're all people. I'm like, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. We're all people. She's like, I was like, yeah, you're my little loves. And she's like, no, mom, I'm a people too. We're all people. I'm like, yeah, you're right, dude. We're all people. <laughs> like, and then so we're, we're at this two-year-old and I are just kind of like, yeah, we're all people. And what are things that are about all people? She's like, we're all love and we all have power. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. We are all powerful. And I'm just having this <clears throat> really, you know, I'm just out of my mind. Like, you're so smart. And she's just like, oh, don't you know these things, mom? <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that's another thing that I do to really touch with spirit is just be really fully be with my kids, like look at them in the face and connect with them physically, connect with them emotionally, just really be with them. Um, and nature is a hugely important part of my life. Even if the weather is completely awful, I live in Maine. Sometimes the winter time is just, I mean, there's a lot you can still do outside in the winter time, but some days are just like, uh, no. I'll be inside today. Um, but I still have the luxury of my horses. I have two, our family has two horses and our barn is right off the garage. It's like so magical. So sometimes it's just going to the barn and giving the horses a smooch and, um, you know, just really being with their energy and their spirit and, um, 
we also have a couple dogs, you know, so animals, nature, any way that I can connect in nature, that pretty much happens daily as well. <sighs> yeah, so be connected with life force sources, mm. really. Mm. That And all of that's the theme of all of it. I'm connecting with the life force within me. I'm connecting with the life force in nature, with my kids and with animals. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and to kind of round this up, <laughs> Speaking of life force, um, the connection between change and aliveness, what would you say? How would, what would you speak to in relationship to that connection? Change is a wonderful opportunity to feel alive, to make conscious choice in our lives. I mean, springtime and fall generally, but springtime feels so alive. I mean, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of transition happening, but it's, but it's exciting and there's opportunity and there's newness. All of that is the opportunity for all of that is here is within coronavirus aftermath in the wake of what's happened. We have the opportunity to make adjustments to our society, like real intentional adjustments. One of them that I keep thinking about that's very practical is our five day work week slash school week. Why is that necessary? Why do we need to go like that was, that was developed in the industrial revolution when we needed people to be in the factory for eight to 10 hours each time. And that was actually to give them more time at home because they were working seven days a week. So the five day work week during the industrial revolution was to give us more time and more energy and more space at home. Now we have virtual world. We can do a lot of our work at home. So why couldn't that be an aspect of what we change in our society when we go back to quote unquote regular life where we are able to curate more of the time that we spend physically at work versus virtually working in our physical environment near our loved ones. Totally. Yeah. I think at a macro level, there's a lot of evidence of how people can adapt in these situations as yeah. much as there's, you know, traumatic uh, people are losing their jobs that can't necessarily go online and there's right. that and I'm not negating that, but also focusing on the fact True. that there's a lot of shit that wasn't online that we're finding can be online right? or can be um, not even online, so to speak, but that people can be more creative with how they mm -hmm. nurture their resources. Right. That's well, and being there. more open to being more open to family being involved in work too, I think could be a wonderful, because even if you physically have to be at work, if your kid is old enough and they're not in school or doing something else that's productive, could they be there with you? Mm -hmm. And I think parents are maybe finding, yes, it's in some ways, it's definitely harder to work with kids around, but we could be more integrated with our kids in our work. I think we could be a lot more creative about it. And this is showing that we actually are capable of doing it, even if it's not the most comfortable or fun thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to speak to in relationship to resilience or change or aliveness? Just think about what works for you. Think about when you feel the most alive in your life and foster those things. That's it. That's like really the root of it. Be gentle with you because shame is unproductive. It's the closest energy to death. So when we're in shame, we're not moving. We're stuck. We're not productive. 
So be gentle and foster the things that are working. Because when we do that, when we focus on those things that are working, the other things decrease and we naturally increase our resilience with a lot more peaceful productivity. Totally, totally, totally. I love that. Yeah. For people who follow the podcast too on my end, um, I think it's the second key to courage or the third. I don't remember the order in which I did these podcasts, but one of the keys to courage on the podcast uh, is capability curls. And it is exactly that. It is all about focusing on what's working and how resilient you already are in order to maintain and create and sustain that um, sense of capability and resilience. And it's a practice. Like it's totally a practice because mm-hmm. we're born with it and we're conditioned out of it. We are True. so- Yes. 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 That's true. Remembering, right? Remembering Mm -hmm. our true nature. Yeah. So being gracious with ourselves in, you know, if we are struggling with resilience, if we are struggling with feeling overwhelmed, it's okay. Even accepting that overwhelm is okay. And paying attention to the reasons that we are in that position, you know, rewriting that story instead of beating yourself up for not being your ideal self now, pay attention to the reasons why you're not yet. And they're not excuses. They are reasons. Mm. And they are also things that once accepted, we can release and create more space for what you want. Mm. I love that. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you and work with you? I am most actively engaged on my Facebook page. Um, You can certainly request to be friends or you can just find me on Resilience with Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And I also have a website, which is the same, resiliencewithkelly.com. And my email is also resiliencewithkelly. So as long as you can spell resilience and Kelly, you can find me. (laughs) Amazing. And I'll link you and all your stuff on the show notes so people can just search it on the page when I post this. Perfect. Thank you. This has been really engaging and yeah, illuminating. And I've really enjoyed hearing more about your story and your perspective. So thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed as well. Amazing. All right. Till next time, folks. Play on.